Morning, everyone. What a more fitting topic as we move into our Thanksgiving holiday than the Great Tribulation. <laughs> and there is, by the way, there is something to be thankful for. That as believers, you're not going to be in it. <laughs> okay. That, that's the remember now, you know, in Revelation the, the book opens up with saying, Hey, you read to those that read this book, there's a blessing. And I think that's the big blessings of it. That it's not for us. <laughs> the the bad stuff's not for us, but the good stuff is. Okay, so that's uh, again that's something to be thankful for. And, <clears throat> and once again, as we're going to see in our lesson, it's solely by the grace of God that it's so. I mean, it's just 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 another one. Just file it under the grace of God because that's where it belongs. All right. Now, looking at the tribulation period, as prophesied in the, uh, the Old Testament, when talking about a subject that uh, books like uh, Revelation get a lot of the attention, and rightly so, probably never thought of, well, I'm going to study the, the tribulation period, let's start in Deuteronomy. But that's actually where we get the first mention of it. So Deuteronomy chapter 4. Now, in, now, Deuteronomy, if, uh, I don't know if you remember the, the context of this book. The nation of Israel, wandering in the, in the wilderness, are just about ready to cross over into the promised land. And what's recorded in Deuteronomy is Moses' last message to the people prior to going across the Jordan and into the land of Canaan to claim it. Okay? So, this is all part of that last big, and it's huge, Deuteronomy is a big book, exhortation that Moses gave to the people. So, Deuteronomy 4, verse 25 through 31. When you become the father of children and children's children and have remained long in the land and act corruptly and make an idol. He's prophesying they're not even in the land yet. And Moses is telling them, you're going to be in there and after a while you're going to fall away, even to the point of worshiping idols. Kind of like you did some 40 years earlier. Remember the golden calf? So they're going to fall back into that routine. So to remain long in land and corruptly make an idol in the form of anything and do that which is evil in the sight of the Lord your God so as to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you shall surely perish quickly from the land where you are going over the Jordan to possess it. You shall not live long on it, but shall be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples and you shall be left few in number among the nations where the Lord shall drive you. And there you will serve gods, the work, the work of man's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him, if you search for him with all your heart and your soul, and all your soul. <clears throat> when you are in distress, and these things have come upon you, in the latter days, key term there, in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. For the Lord your God is compassionate, and he will not fail fail you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant with 
your fathers, which he swore to them. So, in the latter days, again, that that term is is one of those apocalyptic terms that basically, and it's sometimes it's called the last days, and what that refers to is the messianic era itself. Now, the messianic era includes the life of Christ, the church age, the tribulation period, and the messianic or millennial reign. All that is included in the messianic era. Well, how do we know that? The scripture tells us. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. And by the way, the, remember, in terms of biblical, the flow of biblical prophecy, the messianic era is that final era that, uh, that the world is going to see prior to Christ, the Messiah, taking over everything. Okay, so this is it. So when people say, oh, we're in the end times, yes, we are. And we've been there for darn near 2,000 years. Yes, it is. And it will be tomorrow as well. Okay? Now, Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in that his is uh, in italics. You kinda, I like to drop that out of there and just say in son. Like Son, the second person of the Trinity, have spoken in Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. And it goes on to describe who Christ is, being very God. Now, and then let's move forward into, that kind of sets the table in Deuteronomy 4. Let's go to Deuteronomy 30, which is commonly called by some the Palestinian Covenant. That's a name given to it, given to it by many theologians. It's, it's one of those covenants that shows up on some people's covenant list, not on others. But uh, Deuteronomy 30, verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> so it shall be when all of these things have come upon you. I'm going to back up to, to uh, verse 29 of uh, the preceding. So it shall be. It's kind of like one of those, well, well, what do you mean? Okay. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. So it will be when these things have come upon you, the blessings and the curse, that's what's been spoken of all through Deuteronomy to this point, which I have set before you, and you call them to mind in the nations where the Lord God has been banish you. Remember, to the nations, there's going to be several banishments, dispersions, whatever you want to call it, um, um, <clears throat> captivities. We know of, there's, you know, in script, we know in uh, Israel, there's two of them. Remember the northern ten tribes were taken in, into captivity by the Assyrians. Judah, taken into captivity by Babylon. Okay, and there's been others throughout the, the history, years. Okay, 
And verse 2, And you return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart, soul, according to all that I commanded you. Today you are, you, today, you today, you and your sons. Verse 3, Then the Lord your God will restore you from captivity and have compassion on you and will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If, you're, if your outcasts are the ends of the earth, from there the Lord will gather you, and from there he will bring you back. See, this is going beyond Assyria, beyond Babylon. We've moved out now to the ends of the earth, okay? If you're outcast in the ends of the earth from there, the Lord will gather you, and from there he will bring you back. And the Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it, and he will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Moreover, the Lord your God, and this, was, this is a key passage here. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants. Okay, To love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul in order that you may live. Okay, That's a key passage. And just reviewing back through there, I'm just going to read off our outline. The Lord, you know, if all capitals in your capital letters, Yahweh. It's a Yahweh, your God, will restore you and gather you. And then you go down to verse 5, Yahweh, your God, will bring you into the land. Okay? And then the Lord, your God, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants. Let's look at Ezekiel 36, if that sounded familiar at all. Sounds like a lot of teachings in the New Testament as well, doesn't it? Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. Again, this is Ezekiel speaking of the same thing. He's actually reiterating what we find in Jeremiah, which we're going to next. The, uh, <clears throat> it's called the New Covenant for Israel. And so he... In, Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. So you see, this these teachings we get as we go through Scripture, they've been there from the very beginning. From the very beginning, let's just face it, who wrote the first books of the scripture? Moses, right? The Pentateuch, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those, he wrote all those. And so you have right from the very get-go, right from the beginning of the written word, this, these prophecies have been there. That, And again, now, the church isn't seen in this. We're like that parentheses, okay, between uh, Israel's history and their future, which is going to be picked up again in the tribulation period. Now let's go to Daniel, or excuse me, I was thinking to Jeremiah. From captivity, and this Jeremiah is going to take us from the captivity, the physical captivity in the Babylonian captivity, to tribulation, to the kingdom. Let's look at the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29. 
Okay, Jeremiah chapter 29. I'm just going to read a couple of passages out of this, or we'll never, if I read all that's in here, it's, it's really some very neat reading. I mean, you see God's sovereignty just, just moving through Scripture, just keeping everything going the, wherever, where he wants it to go. No matter what it looks like, he's not missing a beat anywhere. Jeremiah 29.1 Now these are the words of the letter which Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem. Remember, he was in Jerusalem. Now Jeremiah, remember, they call him the weeping prophet. Why? Well, put yourself in his position. He sat there and watched his nation be destroyed. Okay, he saw the temple being torn down. He saw the the castles, the, the the king's mansions being burnt down. They saw the the whole country just turned to that beautiful country turned to rubble. You know, so you just put yourself in his position. There's a lot to cry over here, and he saw it and he wept over his nation. So anyway, but now he's in Jerusalem. And remember, this is, and there's captives now in Babylon. So, I'm going to read that again. So these are the words of the letter of Jeremiah, which Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the rest of the elders of the exile, the priests, the prophets, and the people whom Nebuchadnezzar has taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now let's jump forward to verse 10. And... Verse 10 says, For thus saith the Lord, When seventy years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. Where he's at. Jerusalem, the capital. Now, this the revelation recorded in Jeremiah 29.10, that's, that very word is what prompted Daniel to pray for the restoration of the nation. Look at Daniel 9.2. And if you remember, our, as we went through the 70 weeks prophecy, that was the 70 weeks prophecy was given to Daniel in response to this very prayer. Let's pick it up, verse 1, to set the context. Remember, this was written by Jeremiah. To those in exile, taken in by Nebuchadnezzar, and now, late in Daniel's life, we come to 9-2, that's where this prophecy came from, so I'm going to pick it up in verse 1, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of years which was revealed the number of years the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So what we know of as Jeremiah 29, they didn't use you know chapters and verses. What we know as Jeremiah 29 is that portion of scripture is what Daniel was reading when he just started doing the math, you know, he he was taken. Remember, Daniel was taken in the very first wave. There's three major waves of captivity. Daniel was taken in the very first wave, 
And so he's, he's been there through the whole thing. And interesting note, remember Darius, so he's there under the first year of Darius, which is the Medo-Persian Empire, which means he lived beyond the uh, Babylonians who took them captivity. And now he's in there, and he's getting old, but um, he still functions quite well. Now, <clears throat> moving forward in Jeremiah. Let's look at Jeremiah. We're going to look Jeremiah chapter 30, and we're going to actually see now, as, as we move through, Jeremiah is actually taking us through this prophetic history. So now we're going to move and come to the point in history future to Jeremiah and us as well, the tribulation period. So Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 1 through 7. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Write all the words which I have spoken to you in a book. For behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel and Judah. The Lord says, I will also bring them back to the land that I gave to their forefathers, and they shall possess it. Now these are the words which the Lord spoke concerning Israel and concerning Judah. This is important, Israel and Judah. They're kind of split up right now, okay? They're, it's kind of messy. Remember, Israel was taken captive by Assyria, and then about 100 years later, you know, Judah was taken captive by Babylon. Now, yes, when Nebuchadnezzar knocked off Assyria, there was those folks that were of the other ten tribes, sure, they kind of co-mingled back, and we know that there were uh, refugees and people coming back down and moving around, but yet still, okay, but it's important because my people, Israel and Judah, the entire nation is going to be brought back together. Again, I want to reiterate the false teaching of the lost ten tribes. God knows exactly where they are. He knows exactly where they are, and he could name them by name. You know, if he did, it would be a book that thick. Okay, we can, you could forget about it. You know, you think the genealogies get a little dry. <laughs> How about the genealogies, person by person by person? Okay, now, <clears throat> verse four. Now these are the words the Lord spoke concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus says the Lord, I have heard a sound of terror. Okay, here it comes. I heard a sound of terror, of dread, and there is no peace. Ask now and see if a male can give birth. Well, you know, they were much smarter back then, you know what? <laughs> They just spoke the obvious. <laughs> Why do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in childbirth? I'm not going to say it. And why, have all, and why have all faces turned pale? He's using a very severe birth bangs of childbirth. You know that you ladies know what I'm talking about. A lot of you. Um, why are men like that? Because the pain of the suffering and the anguish of this period of time is going to be so great that it's, it just gets you all over. <laughs> it, 
it's you suffer great great pains and the uh, the analogy of childbirth is very common in scriptures of of pain and then verse 7 alas for that day is great now the word great does not mean oh great as in wonderful or marvelous great as in intense it speaks of severe intensity that day is great there is none like it and it is the time of Jacob's distress but he will be saved from it hmm but he will be saved from it now that he there <clears throat> obviously is referring to Jacob who is Jacob referring to Israel Jacob's name was changed to Israel his 12 boys were the, the patriarchs of the 12 tribes, right? So when you see the word Jacob used in this, in this type of context, it's referring to the total 12-tribe nation, not just Israel and not just Judah. Okay? <clears throat> so, and it says, For that day is great, and there's none like it. There's some other prophets I want to kind of tie in right now. Let's start with Zephaniah. <clears throat> Just start moving toward the New Testament <laughs> in your Bible. And if you hit Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, back up. <laughs> Amos, keep going. <laughs> Zephaniah, chapter 1, <clears throat> 14 through 18. Near is the great day of the Lord, near and coming very quickly. Listen, the day of the Lord, in, <clears throat> in it the warrior cries out bitterly, a day of wrath. It is the de day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and and the, <clears throat> and the high corner towers, and I will bring distress upon men, and they will walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord, and their blood will be poured out like dust, and their flesh like dung. And it goes on saying, neither their silver nor their gold will deliver them. You can't buy, you're not buying your way out of this one. Okay? On the day of the Lord's wrath... And all the earth will be devoured in a fire in the fire of his jealousy, for he will make a complete <clears throat> a complete end, indeed a terrifying one of all the inhabitants of the earth. This goes beyond Israel, goes beyond seventy AD. <laughs> We're talking about the whole earth. And that's something we'll talk about more next week when we on the other side of Thanksgiving, when we go through the book of Revelation, we'll do kind of like an overview of everything. <clears throat> Another one. You're in Zephaniah. Forward again a couple to Zechariah. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, and then you hit Matthew. So if you hit Matthew, back up. Zechariah 13, 8 to 9. 
And there's much, I mean, we could spend easily two or three days just on Zechariah and talking about this. Zechariah's got much to say about this period of time we're talking about. But Zechariah 13, 8, 9 says, And it will come about in all the land, declares the Lord. And there's a big price to pay during this tribulation period that two parts in it will be cut off and perish but the third will be left in it and I will bring the third part through the fire refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested they will call on my name and I will answer them I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord and this is Yahweh again is my God. Remember last week, or maybe you remember, maybe you don't. I'm going to assume you do, so I don't feel bad about everything I did last week. But remember, one of the main things the tribulation period is to accomplish is that final refining of the nation. This is it. In that refinement process, and through the plagues and everything else that's going on, two-thirds of the Jews on this earth will die. That's quite a refrain. That's Some of them will killed. Some are going to be killed for sharing the gospel. But actually here, though, of that one-third that's going to go through the fire, that one-third, I believe, is part of the, those that are actually martyred because that one-third is coming into the kingdom. Okay, when we get there, we'll see how they're... Uh, they're actually raised from the dead. You have souls under the altar and all that you read in Revelation. That's all all coming. Stay tuned. Now, also, in connection with this being a huge and great catastrophe, let's forward another couple of books to uh, Matthew. Matthew 24. We saw this a little bit last time. <clears throat> Matthew 24 and 25, again, speaks of this period of time as well. Matthew 24, beginning at verse 21. This is Jesus' commentary on that time. For then, and that's this period of the tribulation period, for then there will be a great tribulation such has not occurred since the beginning of the world, until now, nor ever shall. And unless those days have been cut short, I mean, again, he's speaking as if had been cut short, just looking out ahead there. No life would have been saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. See that? So, again, you look. This is why I reject the historical fulfillment of all this in 70 A.D. 70 A.D. was terrible. Millions of Jews were killed. But many more million of Jews were killed in history moving from that, like the uh, Holocaust, for example. Okay? And then you had the, the Holocaust in Germany. You had a similar Holocaust in Russia under the communist takeover. And then... Over the years, so again, trying to put, and especially when next week when we read through 
some of what's going to go on, what's being described in the book of Revelation, I guarantee you nothing like that has ever... And there's been some awful, evil, destructive things in the history of the world. I mean... I mean, our, our, I mean, we use Hitler as our pinup boy for mean and ugly, but there has been people every bit that mean and ugly all throughout history, some worse than him, okay, uh, if you can believe it. That, uh, <clears throat> he, gets all the, he gets all the glory for it. <laughs> yeah. I think I have a dumb question. But I've got a dumb answer. Well, because, um, such as not occurred since the beginning, the the flood was a one shot killing of mankind but this tribulation where it's just spread worldwide like Jesus said there's going to be wars famines earthquake it's just going to go on and on and on speaking in that context so yeah it's 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 a different context than the flood. It would be the the flood would be more like the the second coming in a sense. But then that's so that was a that was a one shot deal that the flood. Well, I, there's there was in the billions, but we, they estimate. But uh, that is a good question. But I but I think they're referring to man killing man and destruction and it's just. Just the, it's all. It was just awful. Now it was awful then, prior to the flood. And the flood took it out. You read it. There was. If we go back and read in Genesis, there was violence, there was killing. <laughs> As our good friends the Nephilim, we don't want to go back there. But all this stuff going on, you know, that was bad. But what's coming was even worse. And that was bad enough that the Lord wiped out the human population. So. That's not a bad question at all. I hope I clarified it a little bit. Yeah, since the world began. Yeah, yeah, and there was some bad stuff. And this is going to be on a very large scale too. I mean, this is a you know the flood was worldwide. Um, I believe. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how far around the globe man had moved at that point, but um, anyway. Okay. But again, you know, but Jacob's going to be saved from all this. Because God's always, God's always, in every time, God has his people. God's got his people. And then we move from, in, back to Jeremiah. And then we move, Jeremiah's prophecies here are going to move us forward from the tribulation period into the actual kingdom itself. And we can pick that up in Jeremiah 30, verse 8. And so picking it up in verse, I'm going to read verse 7 again just to get the context and then just roll right into 8. It says, Alas, for that day is great, there is none like it. And it is the time of Jacob's distress. Or the old King James is with Jacob's trouble. But he will be saved from it. Verse 8. And it shall come about on that day, declares the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off their neck. 
and I will tear off their bonds, and strangers shall no longer make them their slaves. But they shall serve the Lord their God, and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. And fear not, O Jacob, my servant, declares the Lord. And do not be dismayed, O Israel, for behold, I will save you from afar and your offspring from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return and shall be quiet and at ease, and no one shall make him afraid. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to save you, for I will destroy completely all the nations where I have scattered you. Only I will not destroy you completely. But I will chasten you justly and will by no means leave you unpunished. So get that one straight. <laughs> yeah, no free rides here. <laughs> no, no. I'm glad you brought. I'm going to deal with that. Prophetic in the prophetic sense, yes, yes. And we're going to be coming to that shortly. They shall serve the Lord their God. That's Yahweh. And by raising up David, their king, we're about ready to celebrate that season. Who is Luke chapter 1? I'll give you an early jump on Christmas here. Although Costco beat me to it months ago, but anyway. (laughs) I know, yeah. I mean, I, they was stuff out before Halloween, which I don't, I don't celebrate it, but uh, I prefer the uh, Reformation Day myself. But anyway, not to brag, but you see, now Luke 1, Luke 1, 32. Again, the angel Gabriel, the same angel Gabriel that gave the 70 weeks prophecy to Daniel, shows up here and talks to Mary. Luke chapter 1, 32 Speaking of that baby she's going to deliver, he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and, and his kingdom will have no end. The David prophecies are fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus Christ is the root of, of David and a branch of David. The root is what things grow up out of. The branch is what things grow off of. Right? He's both. <laughs> he's both. Because he is God. Because he is God. And so, in one sense, yeah. Yeah. Literally, that David would be brought back. But Jesus is the David of that prophecy. He fulfills that prophecy. The Davidic covenant. Remember 2 Samuel 7? Sarah. I mean, so again, that's that's part of it. And he says, then again, it says, uh, but understand this, you know, but I will chasten you justly and by no means leave you unpunished. In verse 11. Again, like I mentioned before, the tribulation period is that final chastening and purging of Israel. That's, it's all wrapped up and ends there. Okay? <clears throat> now, back to Jeremiah 30, verses 22. 
Jeremiah 30, 22, Israel now in the kingdom. And we'll pick it up here in 22. It says, and you shall be my people and I will be your God. Behold, the tempest of the life, behold, the tempest of the Lord with uh, wrath has gone forth and sweeping tempest. I will burst the head of the wicked. The fierce anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has performed and until he has accomplished the intent of his heart. In the, in the latter days, you will understand this. Okay, in the latter days, you're going to get it. All of Israel's history will make sense to Israel in the latter days. <laughs> Once this whole thing. Remember, go back to Daniel. Seventy weeks are determined upon my people. Right? To bring an end of it. To bring the people back. To bring it in the prophecies. And to bring my people into their land. So all these things. In the latter days, you'll understand. They don't understand it now at all. They even deny this stuff. Now. Not none of them totally did, none of them totally did. But verse thirty now, chapter thirty-one, verse one continues that thought, where it says, "At that time, what what time? Well, the latter days, okay. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be all the families, not just two tribes and ten whatevers, all the family." You know, thus saith the Lord: the people who survived the sword found grace in in the wilderness. Israel, when it went found find its rest, the Lord appeared to him from far, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you to loving kindness. Again, I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. Again, you shall take up your tambourines and, and go forth and, and to the dances of the merrymakers, and you shall plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The planters shall plant shall, and shall enjoy them. For there shall be a day when the watchmen on the hills of Ephraim shall call out, Arise and let us go to Zion to the Lord our God. That's not happening now. Remember, Ephraim is estranged. They, they've gone away. But there's coming a day when the, everyone was going to come back. Thus saith the Lord, Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob and shout among the chiefs of the nations. Proclaim, give praise and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. I read all that to get to this verse. Just to give it the context. The remnant of Israel. <clears throat> now, the remnant. It, remember we saw it takes place in the latter days. Let's compare that with Romans chapter 9. <clears throat> Romans nine twenty seven. And Isaiah cries out, this is a quote of Isaiah 10, And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sands of the sea, it is the remnant that will be saved. Now let's move forward to Romans 11, 25 through 27. And we'll explain who is that remnant. For I do not want you to be uninformed. Speaking, writing to the church. Hey, church, don't be under uninformed about Israel's future. Don't get cocky as some do and think you've taken their spot. No, 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 you haven't. You have not taken Israel's place. Okay? For I do not want you to be uninformed of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own estimation that a part, again, a partial hardening 
has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. What that parentheses that we live in, that portion of time is complete. It'll be completed at the rapture. Okay? And thus, and when that happens, and thus all Israel will be saved, just as is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, he will remove ungodliness from Jacob, and this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. The all of Israel in Romans 11 is that remnant spoken of in Romans 9 and that remnant that is spoken of right here in Jeremiah. That remnant, the believing remnant of all of Israel from their beginning, you can go all the way back to Adam, quite frankly, all of them, all the way through the tribulation period, those saved of Israel, all those people are the remnant and they then are the all of Israel that has been saved. Remember, all along, all along the scripture says, you know, not all that claim Abraham are sons of Abraham. Not all Israel is Israel. Not all circumcised are, but they need to be, their hearts need to be circumcised. Okay. This has been taught all through scripture, all along. And <clears throat> that's how it's going to work out. Only those who truly believe will be saved. Now, we're, I don't see anybody coming through the door, but we're probably pretty close to being done here. Ezekiel, we'll turn to Ezekiel, we won't read it all, I'll just highlight a few things and take just another minute. Or, or two or three. <laughs> but Ezekiel 37, there's a great prophecy there that just, again, just adds more to what we've been saying. It just, it just keeps adding more and more uh, <clears throat> the same type of information in 37 you have what's called the vision of the valley of dry bones okay and what that's what that's picturing is you see all these bones out there and what has all those bones come back together and they form up and they start living that is picturing uh the the uh revitalization of israel and then it then they explain the vision where, you know, the bones come up and then you've got Israel and Judah where they all become one nation again. Um, <clears throat> and then it moves forward. Verse 24, it talks about the, I'm going to pick up verse 23 at the very last sentence there where it says, and they will be my people and I will be their God. That sounds very familiar, doesn't it? And then verse 24 says, and my servant David will be king over them, and they will have one shepherd and will walk in my ordinance and keep my statutes, and, and uh, they shall live on the land that I give to, my, to Jacob, my servant, in which your fathers lived, and they shall live on it, and their sons and their sons forever. And David, my servant, shall be their prince forever, and I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it will be an everlasting covenant. And it goes on, my sanctuary is in their midst forever. And it says, my dwelling place, verse 27, also be with them, and I will be their God. They will be my people. Verse 28, and the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in the midst forever. Yeah. It just it is. <laughs> yes, when it talks about David coming back, David's throne, Yes, yes. Yeah, he is, he fulfills that. 
And then the new covenant in Jeremiah 31, 31. And you can read that one for yourself. But, it, uh, of course, I just happened to flip there. We'll, we'll end with that. It's just, just a couple of verses. 31, 31, 31, Jeremiah. <clears throat> Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their families in Egypt, right, which they broke. That was a conditional covenant. This new covenant is not. Verse 33. But this is the covenant which I will make. Remember, remember whose the action is? I will make it. I will do this. I will do this. God's saying it's all on God. And he's the only one that gets praised for this. We have nothing to do with our salvation other than receiving it. <laughs> I mean, he did it all. He did it all. But this, verse 33, this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. How often do we hear that? That's restated over and over. See, that's the key point of being God's nation, is that we are God's people. He is our God. That same truth applies to the church. Exact same truth applies to the church. And then the very last phrase there in verse 32, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. That truth also applies to all of us in this age who believe. Let's go. And that's, there's something worth taking to Thanksgiving with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We especially thank you for your word. And Lord, we just pray that justice was done to it. In Jesus' name, amen.